This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, good morning. I'm Jonas Adams, and you're listening to the Gestalt Gardener with Felder Rushing. He's going to be broadcasting live from Merry Old England and telling you exactly what you can do in your gardens this time of year. And, of course, we have cheesy music waiting for you, and not one but two selections this Friday. So sit back and relax. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Can you hear me all right, Sir Jonas? I got you now. You know, I, I don't think I pushed any buttons wrong. It could be that because Britain left the EU that they cut off our phone bill, too. It's a conspiracy, right? <laughs> could be. But anyway, folks, we are live here at MPB. I'm still over in northern England. I'm, I'm waiting for another flower show to roll around and in between visiting the other gardens, which I'll talk about in just a second. But it is a live program, so if you've got something on your gardening mind, give us a call. It's toll-free. One eight, I mean, toll free anywhere in the world. One eight seven seven MPB ring. I've got a few emails I want to share with you, but again, if you feel like giving me a call and jumping right in this week before Fourth of July, last weekend in uh, in June, garden party, bring it on. Uh, one of the things, uh, and by the way, I have not gotten any emails from anybody who has anything to share about garden-related things people can do. So if you've got any kind of event or an open house or, or anything like that, you want to, to share with my listeners, shoot us an email with details ahead of time if you can at garden at mpbonline.org. By the way, I got an email from Tom Mann, uh, who's our, our fruit growing friend. He works at the National Science Museum. He said he has, this past week he has picked 25 gallons of blueberries so far. He said he's picking feverishly, uh, not always waiting for them to get perfectly ripe because he's trying to stay ahead of the fruit flies, which normally, uh, you know, they started uh, about a week later last, last year, but because of all the light evening rains and the kind of cool temperatures, um, supposedly sterilizing little male plant, uh, uh, fruit flies. He's having to pick them a, a little bit ahead of time. But anyway, he said the bears are ahead of time, so he's picking a lot of those too. Uh, while waiting for another flower to show to roll around, uh, I visited uh, several different uh, uh, really nice gardens over here. Um, but And I want to talk about those. But first, I am steadily rooting a vine that I brought from Mississippi. It's a type of a Confederate jasmine, a very fragrant white flowering vine, really good one. But uh, we discovered a yellow flowering one that was extra fragrant, 
I brought a couple of three yards of it with me in a plastic bag, and I'm rooting them, and they're coming along quite nicely. I've got them in a bright place, not in direct sun, got them uh, in some really good, well-drained potting soil, and uh, I've got them covered with a little plastic tent to keep the humidity in. So that's the key, warmth, humidity, bright, but not direct light, and keep them watered uh, as much as they need without rotting them. Anyway, they should be rooted in a couple of three weeks, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring any back home or, or maybe just stick them, tuck them around in some gardens over here. I just don't know. I also planted some garden peas, which we can't grow in Mississippi or Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee. This time of year, garden peas need cool weather, which we have here in England. But back home, it's black-eyed pea and green beans and butter bean type things. But the English peas I planted, just as they came up, some great big slugs came out of nowhere and started chomping on them. Caught them ahead of time, put out a little slug bait, and uh, and they're already doing quite nicely. Um, uh, the, the the snails have disappeared. I use a, a safe snail uh, slug bait. Um, and I've also planted some new pea seeds between the plants already coming up. I also have uh, three David Austin roses in full bloom. Hydrangea is starting to fill out nicely. When I get off the program today, I'm going to make me a couple of these handheld, what they call Cornish pasties. I think of an apple pie that's filled with meat and potatoes and homegrown spices and herbs and take that with me in a nice walk across the moor. Uh, I do have a week to go before I'm going to be one of the few accredited members of the American press to attend the official pre-opening press day at the Hampton Court Flower Show, Royal Palace Flower Show. Uh, to me, it's a little bit better, certainly not more practical. It is more practical for garden variety gardeners than the more famous Chelsea Flower Show, which is really sort of high-end designers. Um, but uh, uh, before we get to the phone calls, I want to mention that this past week, uh, I've been to several really nice gardens, both Royal Horticulture Society and National Garden Conservancy Holdings, uh, including some down in the West Midlands where the hobbits are from, and one over in Wales, and, and a, a couple up in the up north in a mountainous area called the Lake District. Uh, the, my favorite one was, is called Levens Hall, L-E-V-E-N-S. If you're not familiar with Levens Hall, it is the home of the world's oldest, the, Europe's oldest, the largest, the most interesting, and certainly the nicest topiary gardens. Uh, they have some plants that have been pruned into weird shapes for a century longer than we've had a country. I managed to snag an interview with the head uh, gardener there. I've known him for, for a couple, three years, and I'll play that in a couple of weeks or so. But he assures me, and this is a man who's been taking care of bizarrely pruned shrubs of all different kinds for over 30 years. He assures me that people who like to prune their crepe myrtles, in spite of the wrath of the university, people who like to prune the crepe myrtles are perfectly all right. He said it can actually prolong the life of the plants over not pruning. So anyway, we'll run that a little bit later. Uh, Jonas, can we play a little bit of cheesy music uh, about uh, uh, 30 seconds or so uh, in just a, a minute? Did you get that loaded up? It's almost getting loaded up now. Okay. So give me a couple well, minutes. We'll get it together. I will do that. Let me know ahead of time because I'll, I'll set it up. Uh, but I did get some fun emails this week. I'm going to share a few with you. But if you'd like to give me a call, again, it's a live program. I'm horticulture still rushing. I get stumped on a lot of stuff, but people do help me out online. And um, after 30, 34, 33 or 34 years of doing radio, uh, talking about gardening, there's still plenty of stuff to learn. Um, but the the most interesting one I've gotten so far this year, I get weird ones all the time, but the most interesting email I'm going to share with you, a little course, I guess, 
Well, I've got a friend uh, who just found some ground-up tree stump. Uh, a neighbor grabbed up a tree stump. She took the, the mostly sawdust with dirt mixed in it and mixed it with some store-bought potting soil and put it in a big container. And he said his little pepper and tomato seedlings are a little bit pale, not growing very well. And he was right. It's a lack of nitrogen because real fresh compost, real fresh bark takes nitrogen away from plants as it decomposes. But here's his question. Get ready for it. He wants to know if it's all right to replace the nitrogen with his own, how do you say, we, pee, urine. He wants to know if he can use it. And I'm thinking, no, I, don't want to, I don't even want to think about this. But then again, why not? And so I looked it up, and there's all sorts of research that shows perfectly natural. And it's in a form that plants can readily absorb. doesn't be broken down. I don't want to get into any more details about it, but if you want some, email me. I'll give you a recipe on how to uh, provide your garden with his, your own <laughs> fertilizer. Yeah, this is I a perfect time to go to calls if you want. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, have we got that music lined up? Are you going to let me know about it? No, I got it ready now. Okay, well, let's, let's do that first uh, because I want to, it's sort of a pre and a post celebration next week's. Independence Day celebration, I've got a short uh, 30, 40-second musical tip of my hat to the British, who in the late 1770s managed to get our country to the point where they're, where we're able to manage our own affairs. And uh, so they got to the point where they themselves have declared themselves to be free of other people telling them how to manage their own land. So here's an England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Guernsey, Gibraltar, effectively, collectively known as Britain. Here's to y'all's new celebrated freedom from the others. How about that? Lovely. <laughs> well, you know, they've been hollering us for a couple of hundred years to doing what they just did, so I think we're now even, okay? Anyway, do we have any phone calls? Yes, we sure do. We have Help John. Me out. What was that? <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> it is John from Madison calling about mulch. Hey, John, thanks for calling, man. What's up? Well, fellas, I need some organic material in my in my vegetable garden, and the only thing I've got readily available is grass clippings. And uh, I'm sure they would do fine, except I'm looking at these things that look like seed heads coming out of the Bermuda, and the last thing I want is Bermuda seeds in my garden. Uh, are those seeds yet? Are they, can you tell uh, me? You know, I, I really can't tell yet because, um, you know, they, they, some may be right. But, you know, they because Bermuda grass can flower and bloom and set seeds over a long period of time, there may be a few out there. A little bit early for some, I guess. But uh, bottom line is the mulch itself is probably going to take care of it. A lot of these uh, grassy weed seeds need sunlight uh, to sprout. So you can use that stuff and add it to your dirt. 
but put some fresh bark or a straw or something like a leaves over the top of it to shade your dirt from, from the sun, and, and it won't be a problem at all. Okay. I'll give it a shot. Thanks. Okay. Uh, let, let me ask you something real quick. Are you going to just uh, – are, are you digging this into your native dirt? Well, I'm just going to throw it between the raised roads right now. But, yeah, uh, probably in the fall before I plant collards and whatnot, I'll probably till it up. Well, the re- reason I'm saying because it really does do a lot of good on top of the ground. Mulch is important, but as far as adding stuff to your dirt, I'd go ahead and work it in pretty lightly in, into your existing dirt so it's because otherwise it's just going to decompose on top of the ground and not have anything left this fall. And uh, I'd start stockpiling leaves for this fall. But if you can work it in lightly and use some kind of fresh mulch on top of it, that's the best of both worlds. Okay. I'll All do right, it. Good luck, John. good luck on it. All right, and our next caller is Walter from Biloxi. Hey, Talking Walter, about Brussels sprouts. Yeah, what's up? You growing Brussels sprouts this time of year on the Gulf Coast? No, sir. I grow them in the fall, and uh, I've been growing them like eight or ten years. And uh, the first two or three years, they did well. They they uh, matured to the full size, and then they just gradually dwarfed, became really small. And the plants, the plants are uh, have smaller leaves, and the fruit is uh, about the size of a small acorn. I'm just wondering what. What the deal is? Let me ask you a couple of Are you growing them in the same spot over and over and over without planting anything else in between? Well, I move them around in the garden. You know, I move them to different rows. And, yeah, uh, but I've been in my garden. I've been growing this, in the same garden for like eight or nine years. And yeah. uh, I have full-size broccoli, full-size cauliflower, and pretty good-sized collards. But the Brussels sprouts is the only thing that I can't... I can't get to produce properly. Well, I'm gonna as long as everything is looking okay, as long as you're continuing to improve your soil by adding a little organic matter uh, every year, as long as you're moving things around, not planting the same types of vegetables in the same spots, uh, then I'm wondering, are, are you growing your own from seed or buying transplants? I've been buying the plants, the, the body okay. plants mostly, the body okay. nursery. Okay. And here, I've got some others too, but they both did the same thing. Okay, here, here's something to keep in mind. When you're getting these kind of plants, it's real important to get small ones that are real tender, nothing that's got these woody stems on them because that can stunt yeah. them. And also with the Brussels sprouts, try this. Give them just a little little bit of nitrogen two or three times rather than a lot at one time. And then when, okay. they, get up, uh, when they get about a, oh, a couple of feet or so tall, get the tips out of the plant, and the energy that would have gone to that can go into those side shoots. That's sort of a little trick with with Brussels sprouts. Also, keep in mind there's several varieties, and some may be better for, for our climate, some shorter season. We, we don't know what variety they're selling. I guess you, you, try, you try to cut the tips out of them. You mean the, the center? Yeah, yeah. The just, just, just pin, yeah, just pencil that, that last little two or three leaves off when they get a couple of feet tall. And instead of keeping growing upwards, the energy can go into those little side shoes. But Brussels okay, sprouts. I haven't tried that. It's just a little bit more of a challenge than than, than some of the other cold crops. Uh, the main thing is keep them, tease them with a little fertilizer. When they get a couple of feet tall, tense the tip of it out. Let's see if that doesn't help. i got one more question for you. Okay. Pigweed, is it is it okay to let that grow in the garden? I've heard that it helps helps keep the bugs away. Is that true? Well, you, you said chickweed? 
No, pigweed, though. It's oh, little leaves, small leaves, <laughs> little round green leaves on it. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, weeds, you get some weeds, they're not going to keep insects away. Sometimes they, they can attract insects away from certain plants, but in general, weeds are going to take away moisture and fertilizer um, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, you know, what yeah, I would yeah. do is I get, I get you a good sharp hoe. You don't have to chop those things. Just sharpen the edge of a hoe and just sort of scrape it like, like shaving your face. It cuts right off of the soil line. Okay, yo. Uh, in in uh, Flushing there, they got this extension uh, college on, on Potts Ferry Road, the Mississippi uh, Extension right. Service, or what, what do they call that place? Well, it's, a, it's a, the Cooperative Extension Service. That's where the master gardeners are also. Can I get my soil tested there? You can. You need to take it there, and they'll box it up and send it off for you. I don't know what it costs. Okay. I think it's like $6 a sample now. But when you oh, get yeah. the results back, when you get those results back, shoot me in the mail or me an email or call me because the university spits out uh, real uh, agriculture-type fertilizer instead of go- what I call gardener-friendly stuff. I can interpret it for you real, real quick. Okay. I appreciate your help. All right. And good luck on your Brussels sprouts. we got to take a quick break, Felder. Okie dokie. Let's do that. I've been holding my breath the whole time since pushing that button wrong. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It is a garden party. Started off a little rough, spilled a couple of drinks, but we're going to be talking about gardening right up until the end of the hour. This is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, one of several weekly programs. And even though I'm the least professional host they've got here, my friend and my my producer, Jonas Adams, and I will somehow manage to get up there. We're going to take a quick break, come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener and a really, really, really cheesy tune right after this. Support for the Gestalt Gardener comes from Old House Depot. Antique windows, doors, shutters, flooring, and exposed beams. Architectural salvage, custom carpentry, you name it. Open 9 to 5 Monday through Saturday, 639 Monroe Street in Jackson. OldHouseDepot.com This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture is still rushing. I got an interesting email from Diana down in Biloxi. She had a daughter on a small pineapple sage in some of her Turks cap. A lot of people don't know what daughter is, but it's a, it's a really peculiar parasitic plant. It looks like dried vermicelli. It's like little skinny yellow spaghetti draped over plants. And it doesn't have roots, doesn't have leaves, doesn't have its, its ability to make its own food. It actually inserts its little rootlet-type things into host plants. I think it's kind of interesting. It's not as much of a weed here as it is in, say, out west, but daughter is, is an interesting, unusual, um, somewhat invasive parasitic plant. If you get it, leave some of it because it's interesting, but if you get a lot of it, just simply pull it up as best you can. Keep pulling. Sooner or later, you can get rid of it. We got, got a caller. We sure do. Who we got? Robert from Jackson calling about magnolia leaves. Hey, Robert, what's up? 
what is your opinion of magnolia leaves as mulch for shrubs? Uh, well, it, it works. The problem with magnolia leaves, just like with pine straws, they got that real thick, that waxy covering. Right. It takes them a, it takes them a long time to, to break down and compost. Um, so to right. me, it would be better if you could run the lawnmower over them first, first and sort okay. of wake them up a little but bit. That's what I do, and so that's good for them. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Any, any kind of mulch that lets air and water to the roots without, you know, packing down too much is going to do fine. Okay. Yeah, Thank I, and you I think very it's kind of pretty too. All right, appreciate exactly. the call. Thanks. By the way, Jonas, uh, I got an email while we're on the line from uh, from from Susie. Uh, I can't tell what her last name is, but she lives in Pascagoula and says she got this unusual plant blooming. Uh, it's a bulb. The the flowers are white. They look spidery with a webby white in between. This is called Hymenocallis. It's actually a native plant. Some people call it swamp or white spider lily, but it's in bloom right now. It's one of the few bulbs that will grow in heavy or wet soils. So I'll, I'll, I'll answer an email, but just want to throw that out let you know that I'm able to catch emails while we're on the line here. We got any callers? Yes, we do. We have Esther calling from Oxford about the grass underneath her tree. Good morning, Esther. Howdy. Howdy. How you doing, Felder? I wanted to ask about some bahia grass. I've got uh-huh. a patch of it growing up underneath my Bradford pear tree. Uh, it's not right up next to the tree, but it is over the roots. So if I spray some Roundup on it, am I going to damage the tree? No. Roundup is only absorbed into actively growing green tissue. It's only, it doesn't get into, doesn't go through roots or trunk or bark or anything like that, as long as you're not just soaking the area. So if you just wet the foliage of those, of those, uh, of the weeds, then it'll work fine without hurting anything you don't get on the leaves of. But okay. Let me ask you this. Do you already have the Roundup? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, because I was going to say there is a similar product that only kills true grasses. And Roundup's not a problem. Again, all you're trying to do is wet the foliage, not, not, tr- not drench the whole area. Uh, okay. And it's not going to be a problem at all. Okay, so what is this other product that I might uh, consider using then? It's sold under a bunch of different brand names. Uh, Grass Be Gone, I think, is one. Clean Up starts with a K, but it says for the control of grassy weeds. And it works right, just like Roundup. It's absorbed into the leaves, kills the plants. But you can take Bermuda and Bahia grass out of monkey grass, which is a lily, out of uh, irises. It only kills true grasses. Okay, great. All right. Thank you. All right. Stay cool. Our next caller is Louise from Mobile, Growing Potatoes. Hey, Louise, what kind of potatoes, Irish or sweet potatoes? Irish potatoes. And uh-huh. I'm covering it up just like you told me to every time a little leaf comes up. I keep covering right. it. Covered. How much longer am I going to have to do that before I let it grow? Well, mine, you know, mine actually started blooming, and, and I harvested mine before I, I left a, a couple of weeks or so ago. But I would say as long as you've got six or eight inches, no more than a foot or so up around them, two feet at the most, but I'm going to say a, a foot or so. And then uh, once you get a you know, pile up really high like that, just water the plants really, really good every now and then. Try not to keep them wet or they can rot. And when they start to flower or turn yellow is when to harvest them. Okay, well, I'm I'm right at that one foot now, so I was wondering. All right, thank you so much. Okay, appreciate Bye-bye. it. Oh, Irish potatoes, they really don't like hot weather, but you can grow them on top of the ground or in buckets or barrels or tires or bales of hay or whatever, as long as you can keep them alive. And when it gets hot, they start petering out. 
about it, sir, gentlemen? Jamie is calling from Ripley, growing blackberries. Hey, Jamie, good morning. How are you doing this morning? So far, so good. What's up? I have a quick question for you. Can you transplant blackberry bushes from one place to another? Sure. I mean, that's, that's how most people get their start. Okay, so that's uh, no grow. You got to fertilize them or anything like that? I said what? You get to fertilize them or anything like that? Well, I mean, if if you wanted to grow well, plants grow well with a little fertilizer, nowhere near what you, as much as you think they need. But a little bit of fertilizer gives them all the stuff they need to grow really well. But um, I don't know that I would move them this time of year. It's pretty hot out there. But if you know where some are, you know, if you could start working up a place to put them, move them this fall, and fertilize the next spring when they start growing. That'd be great. Appreciate you. All righty, thank you for your call. Have a great day. Thanks. And all the lines are clear. Well, maybe this is the time we need to listen to our cheesy music. Oh, we got one coming in that we're going to field in a second. Hold on, here's here's a call coming in in a second. Hey, wait. Well, why why are they doing that, Jonas? Um, How the boys doing? The boys are amazing. They're just running around enjoying the summer. You know, you have an opportunity to to, to raise them right. And that's to show them what, you know, bare feet and, and, and growing a couple of herbs. We, we need to get them over to my yard when I get back, and let me show them some really cool stuff that they might want to try growing themselves. It's real easy. I'm thinking of oregano and, uh, and, and rosemary that they could put into spaghetti sauce. You feel like they've got ownership in what y'all cook. That's not a problem at all. That's a good idea. It's really. Those two plants are so easy to grow. You don't have to wait for them to do anything. They're ready to go as soon as you plant them. They just keep growing. The more you cut them, the more they grow. As long as it's real easy to do, I don't need anything complicated. Cause <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. All they need is a little sunshine, a little dirt, and like a, uh, a rosemary and oregano are really, and you use them for chili, for spaghetti, for pizza, you know, and that's something the guys can really remember because they smell good. Every time they eat uh, like an Italian food from the rest of their lives, they're going to think about their daddy back when they were kids growing that stuff down in Mississippi. Perfect. They better think about me forever. <laughs> we have Mark calling from Belzona about watermelon. Hey, Mark. How's it going in the Delta? Hot enough for you? It's hot enough. Definitely. I have a question about watermelons. What I did is I saved some seeds from last year, and they yeah. did really great last year. But this year, they, they, they haven't done anything. So what I've done is I've just up the watermelon. Because they were just grass and everything. And I was wondering, is it too late for me to plant those to get watermelons yeah. before? Well, it's too late to plant some more? Right. No, it's, it's getting there. You know, they, they take, uh, you know, three months or so, three, three and a half months to mature. And if, if, you'll, if you'll put them on a hill where it's not too high and you can soak just those roots really, really well every week or two, you can actually grow some pretty good ones between now and fall. You said soak those leaves. No, no. You, you know, you, you plant, plant. Just put two or three. You, know, you plant as many seeds as you want in each little hill, but then thin them out to just two or three plants, and then just water that area. Oh, okay. Uh, matter, okay. Of, okay. matter of fact, to make it easier, you know, what you could do is you could take a, a milk jug or a or a five gallon bucket or something like that, put some little tiny holes in the bottom and set it right in the middle of the hill and plant around it. Then all you gotta do is fill that up every week or two and let it soak right in. Ah, ah, good idea. Now the seed I'm using the seed that I had last year that was grown from last year's crop. 
Yeah. Is that okay? Because they were they were supposed to be heirloom. Well, yes. If they're heirloom, they, they come true to seed. There's no problem with that. Some of the modern hybrids, they don't they don't come true to seed. But the old heirloom varieties like Moon and Stars and some of those other ones, they right, do come right. from seed. No problem right. at all. Okay. Now I don't put the seeds that I preserve. I didn't put it in the freezer or anything. I just put it in a you dry plate. Is that okay? That's- that's that's better. That freezer thing, you know, people didn't have freezers 100 years ago, and they still grew watermelons. Oh. <laughs> the main thing is keep them cool and dry. Great. Thanks, man. All right. Appreciate it. How about it, Sir Jonas? You want to do some cheesy music? We'll take one more call right before the break. It's uh, oh. BJ calling from Brandon. Okay. Hey, BJ. Good morning. Actually, it's EJ. EJ. What's yeah. up, EJ? Okay, listen, I have a, a Bradford pear tree that's growing under my deck, and I cut it back, and it keeps coming back. Is there something that I can use to just kill it completely, other than well, there, my deck? Well, there there is, but you know, at the same time, and I know the taste just sound, it sounds kind of hard. I mean, you could use Roundup on it, but, you, you know, if you could just cut it down and dig around the roots just to, you know, six or eight inches deep and a six or eight inches around the outside, just pry it out. That'll kill it. Okay, so, well, yeah, well, okay, now, remember, it's under my deck, so I have to get oh, out on my stomach to do it. Can't, can't get to it. If uh, can, can you reach it at all, like with a saw or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's how I cut it back. I, I, okay. I have to, you know, it, down on my belly it, to cut it back. And it's not any fun, but if you'll do that, uh, again, you know, two or three times, every time it gets weaker and weaker and it just peters out. Oh, okay. So I just, just need to keep cutting it back, and then that'll take care I've, of it. I've got a okay. mimosa. I have mimosas that come up all over my yard, and I like to have two or three mimosas here and there because I like the flowers, and hummingbirds like the flowers. But, you know, I cut them back, and they sprout out once. I cut them back again, and they're gone. Okay. All right. Then I'll, I'll try that. All righty. Good luck on okay. it. Okay. Thank you. You betcha. You know, we haven't gotten any uh, calls about insects yet, but this is the time of year when the bugs are starting to pick, to pick up, and I came up with the cheesiest tune about insects. I thought it would be a good one to play this this uh, last weekend in June before the bugs really get cranked up. So, Jonas, let's let it rip with the cheesiest music ever about insects. I'm Horticulture Spelder Rushing. Six is the Gestalt Gardener. I'm a, it's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and I'm broadcasting live from the foggy moors of Lancashire, England. Got a flower show to go to next week. Got a couple of other interviews lined up for you. But meanwhile, sit back and relax, enjoy some music, and we'll be back with more of your phone calls live here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. little insect don't scare me so don't land on me and bite me no hey there little insect please calm down then we'll have fun and fool around ready go i say hey there little insect don't scare 
give me soul Don't land on me, baby It bite me low I say, hey there, little insect Please calm down Then we'll have fun and fool around Say hey there, little praying manners. I have what to play. Each time on my arm you landed, makes me faint. Say hey there, little insect. Please calm down. That we'll have fun and fool around. Play catch and stuff. Well now I don't want to worry there. I don't want to fight This election year has been unpredictable, and November is still months away. But you don't have to keep up with every twist and turn. You just have to keep up with us. Listen every day. Daily at 4 on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio welcomes a brand new Sunday lineup. The new fan favorite, Backstory with the American History Guys, moves to noon to bring historical perspectives to today's events. At 1, Reveal uses investigative journalism to empower the public about tough issues in our society. Then the moth takes over at 2 and celebrates the art and craft of live storytelling. Catch the new Sunday lineup beginning July 3rd on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, how about that, Jonas? Is that cheesy enough for you? That's got to be one of my favorites right there. <laughs> you know, I don't know where this stuff comes from, but it sticks to me like scotch tape. Speaking of scotch, I don't know if they're going to stick around for this English thing or not, but 
Woohoo! They're celebrating over here today. And uh, but I look out the window, and they're just walking around in the rain like they normally do. Anyway, we're talking about gardening. If you want to give me a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. While we're listening to that music, I got an email from Paul Williams. He says he calls himself Maypop Central. A lot of people know our native passion vine, the, the Maypop. He wants to know if you can make wine out of the fruit. He's got an elderberry uh, wine recipe, and I did a quick search online for for Maypop wine recipe and came up with what looks like a great one. So, yeah, anything that's got any sugar to it at all, even onions, you can make wine if you want to. But Maypop wine does sound kind of interesting. Anyway, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring or shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.com. What's it look like, Jonas? It's looking like Charlotte in Oxford having trouble with a yellow flower. She doesn't know what it is. Uh Uh-oh, Charlotte, you know, when you say yellow flower, I think sunflower. Then I think squash. No, no, it isn't anything like that. I saw this flower (laughs) in the woods at Cheekwood Gardens in Nashville. Beautiful garden. It is like the button bush bloom where it has the little yellow pod with the little spikes out or the feather gilia blossom. Yeah, right. Uh, only it was yellow and it had little rounded petals around its base. Oh, that's probably a type of, I'm, I'm making a wild guess here without a picture, I can't tell, but it might be one of the numerous plants they call hypericum or St. John's wort, W-O-R-T. Okay. There's a whole, whole bunch of hypericums in the People there at Cheekwood, they mix uh, native plants with some really well-adapted non-native plants. But Hypericum, or St. John's wort, pretty commonly used uh, and a little bit cooler. It grows okay for us, but it does great when you get up in the mountains. Okay, so do you think I could raise some in Oxford? Sure, if if that's what it is. There's there's different varieties, but hypericum. Shoot me, do you have a picture of it by any chance? I do, and I tried sending it to garden at mpbonline.org, and it didn't go through. So I'm not sure what I was doing. Is it all small letters? Well, that really doesn't matter, but make sure there's no S in the garden. Garden Garden, Oh, garden at MPB online. Okay, I will send you a picture of it. I'll also check online to see if I can find a picture now. Well, uh, keep in mind that there's several different kinds. And, you know, the kind that grows best for us in the really hot weather, a little bit bigger and coarser made the one that you saw. But it does great. Matter of fact, it's a little on the invasive side, but not too bad. Okay. Well, uh, one other quick question is I have a plant that looks like a sumac, but it doesn't have... The typical sumac blossoms, it has, it looks like little pear-shaped pods under the stem. Well, huh. It, it came up wild in the yard, in the uh, edge of the woods. Need, need to send me a picture of that because I, I can't even begin to guess. Okay. Uh, but you're right, the, the, the sumacs do have upright clusters of flowers, whether both the, you know, the male and the female have those upright clusters. But shoot me a, a fairly good close-up of the flowers and some of the leaves. Okay, I will. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. And Jonas, I don't know how many things you forward me every week. I don't know how many emails you, but, I mean, these just come in waves and waves and waves. And uh, I get stumped on a lot of plants, but I, I do have people that I send pictures to when I'm completely stumped that can help me out. They've been doing a lot better with sending the pictures with the emails, too, and we like that. We appreciate that. Yeah. It makes it a lot yeah. easier. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So we got a caller on the line? We do. We have Cindy calling from Cordova, Tennessee, about a Japanese beetle. 
Hey, Cindy, you know, that whole area used to be just full of all sorts of commercial flower growers, including peony growers and all sorts of stuff up there. Really? Well, yeah, um, I'm having my first experience with Japanese beetles, and they're oh, only yeah. on one of my rose bushes. Yeah, these and are shiny, the shiny green ones? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they are a scourge. The further north you go, the worse they get. And, you know, they gardeners, garden experts will tell you all sorts of stuff to do. The bottom line is picking them off and throwing them in a bucket of water or something like that because there's there's no good spray that you want to spray on your roses that's going to okay. help on Japanese beetles. Okay. And a uh, couple other quick, quick questions. I have a really big, beautiful New Dawn rose on an arbor, and uh-huh. it has gotten, um, there's been places on it of the, Rose rosette disease. Yeah, if, if you're sure that's what it is, uh, I'm sure. Rosette, well, see, it's a virus that goes throughout the whole plant. Right. And it's not it any cure for. It makes me sick because it's just it's huge. Digging it up is going to be unbelievable because the roots probably go way out in the yard. It's about six yeah. years old. Well, there's, there's no no reason why you have to dig it up. I mean, you know, you could just sort of strip most of the stuff off and leave the vi- the dried vinyl the, and grow something like a a clematis or uh, one of our our, our native um, the trumpet uh, honeysuckle, the coral honeysuckle. You know, you could grow two or three vines on that okay. and let them cover up the old stem, and this sort of gives the, the new vines something to grow on. Well, I actually have on the other side of the of the same arbor. I have a um, uh, an orange trumpet vine, and it they grow together. So, you're, well, I didn't think is, about that. One, I could just could just do one, that. One, one of the things I see all the time, uh, I'm just astounded at how how many rules we have about gardening in America that they simply don't have in Europe. They just do whatever they want to, and it's most common to find two or three or more vines growing together for an all season effect. And if if it looks like it's going to be a real bare spot this year, you know, enjoy it while you can. But you might want to put a, a smaller annual type flowering vine, like uh, black eyed Susan vine or or, or uh, cypress vine, or even a gourd. You know, if you plant those, and it'll give you something to think about while your rose slowly peters out, because ain't much else you can do. Well, I keep hoping before I have to do that, they'll come up with a cure. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's a virus, so that's the problem. Once you get a virus, that's it. Sorry. And one more quick thing: I must be the only one whose hydrangeas are just not covered in blooms this year. I have a couple of the older versions, uh-huh. and um, they just have two or three each. And they're they're probably six, seven years old, so I think did, I'm just going to have to take them out. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. You can prune them back in the shade. Do you prune yours at all? Um, I do a little bit. Not much because they're the kind that, that you they bloom on the old growth. Right, but 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 see, that's still important, though. It, it, sometime in the wintertime, if you'll follow the tip of the branch from the tip down to where it started the year before, as long mm-hmm. as you leave some of that, you know, then, that, then what grows off of In other words, leave some of the previous year's old growth. What grows off of that will still bloom, and it'll be stockier and bushier. So sometime uh, this winter, thin out some of the real tall stuff and cut some of the previous year's growth back about halfway. You get them back into shape. Okay. Thank you. Good good luck on it. Appreciate your call. Up next is Paul with erosion control. Hey Paul, what kind of where where you live that's got erosion? 
I've got I've got a piece of property up in Walls, Mississippi, and uh, we did some dirt work for house pad and whatnot. And I've got a hillside that is starting to erode, and I was wondering what I could put on it to stop the erosion, um, that, and that could also just deal with the heat that we've got right now. Uh, are you able to at least wet the area down, or is it impossible yes, to water? Sir. I can okay. I can wet the area down. Well, you know, you could get Bahia grass, you could get Bermuda grass. Both of those come out real quick from seed, and sooner or later, if you put Bermuda grass out there, you're going to get Bahia grass. But you could get those out there started, and then a light mulch. You know, you just take some hay or something and just shake it like pixie sticks, not enough to where it covers the ground up, but enough to where if you get a rain, the seeds will catch in that instead of washing down the hill. And once you get a stand of that to hold your soil, you can plant something later if you want a, uh, more of a ground cover you could plant something of that later and uh, we even have herbicides that kill grasses and won't kill your your, your other ground covers okay what other ground so, covers yeah. would you be thinking of is this full sun yes you know pr- probably the the number one is is it a big area see that's the problem landscape is no 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 end of the question is a very big area very big area yes uh there's not going to be a good ground cover Okay. <laughs> so, okay. You know, you know, nothing is going to be easy because sooner or later, everything's going to. Ground covers take a couple of three years to really get thick. A year to sit there, a year to fill in, then a year to get thick. So, what you might want to think about doing, you know, I tell you what, shoot me an email and I can give you a few ideas on how to treat the hillside. But you may actually want to plant small groups here and there of shrubs and maybe some, some small trees on it. You know, just okay, like that. You know, just choose your choose your weed, so to speak. You know, sumac or something like that. There, and then you can have a wildflower meadow down there that just gets bush alder weed eaten once a year. Okay. So there's well, a lot, a lot good of good idea. ideas. Shoot me an email. I'll kick some more of the ideas around with you. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Appreciate it. You know, Jonas, one of the big uh, issues we have in America right now is uh, get more and more people wanting landscapes that are less maintenance either because they don't have the time to be not willing to do what it takes or don't want to pay somebody to do it. And the, the idea of switching over to smaller lawns or curves of lawns or pathways of lawn uh, and then having a meadow lawn in the other area. I see this over and over and over when I'm overseas, where they have a little bit of mowed grass and then just what we would call weeds, but they salt them, they plant other stuff in with it, they turn it into a really nice meadow, and they just mow it once a year. It works. It's not what we're used to. It's not what we're taught, but it works, and it can be pretty. We have one. We have a couple more callers, actually. Okay. Um, William from Jackson. Good morning, William. How are you this morning? Good. How are you, sir? So far, so good. What's going on? So I, I had two quick questions. First is on salvia. A few weeks ago, I planted some salvia along with some knockout roses. And yeah. they were doing very, very well. And all of a sudden, I'm noticing now that the leaves are wilting, and I've had to replace a couple of them. They just seem like they're dying. Yeah, what you know, what kind are they perennial salvias or the annual salvias? Uh, what you know what kind of salvias? I, it's, I think it's a mystic spire. What's called? Okay, that's that, that's a perennial. Uh, when you when you the, the way they sell plants in garden centers in Mississippi is they're in pots of potting soil. If you pull that and stick in the ground, that plant is going to die. Mm. What you it's really important to to loosen up the roots, loosen up the potting soil, and stir that into your dirt so they're growing in a combination of uh, a mixture of your dirt and their potting soil. Um, when I take plants out of pots, perennials, which I grow a lot of. 
I pull them up, I loosen the roots, I water them ahead of time. I loosen the roots and the potting soil, stir it in, and then I cut the plants back a little bit, which seems counterintuitive, but it takes the stress off the plant immediately, and they immediately start putting out stocky, sturdy, new flowering growth that's, that, that is better adapted. So I would prepare the soil a little bit, not overdoing it, mix the potting soil in with it, cut them back, and then try not to keep them wet because they're really tough plants. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem. We've had a lot of rain down here, and it's just been getting too wet. Yeah, you know, too 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 much water is often worse than not enough. Sure. We usually don't have a problem with too much water, but again, loosen up the potting soil. They won't stay nearly as wet when it rains that way. Great. And the the last question is is, is about squirrels. I uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a a bird feeder, and uh, I have an enclosed courtyard. Yeah. And initially, the birds were coming, and then a rat started coming, and now yeah. the squirrels are coming. And somebody told me, well, switch from a mixed bird seed to just black oil sunflower. I thought well, that would do it, but yesterday morning I noticed the squirrels are back. Is there anything oh, the, I can do? The black oil sunflower is, is good for a huge variety of, of, of birds, mm-hmm. but it's also really tasty to squirrels and rats and mice. Uh, are you are they, are they able to jump to it from somewhere else or are they going up the pole? Well, it's a thin little pole, and I put one of those, you know, squirrel guards on it, but it fell down. I have to fix that. But yeah, I'm watching the rat. The rat will jump, and <laughs> the squirrels are climbing up I, the pole. It's just crazy. That's about all you can do. Okay. That's about all you can do is a, is a barrier, but uh, and, and, that, and that's it. All right. Well, thank Good you luck, so much. Charles. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Charles. Thank you. All right, we got time for another call, Jonas? Yes, the last call is going to be Billy from Benton calling about tomatoes. Hey, Billy, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Hot enough for you? Not quite. <laughs> what can I help you good with? Good question. Years ago, we, we found some plants that we thought were tomatoes. It could have been, and they seemed to grow maybe 12 feet tall, and they were called tree tomatoes. Do you know if those things are still in existence or not? Yeah, they they are. They're they're sort of gimmicky type things, yeah. but uh, and you know, it's a close relative to the tomatoes. But you have to order the seeds or the plants online. Nobody carries them. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of a lot of wonderful fun gimmicks for people who, who bored with the same old same old. Right. Uh, also, I've heard you or somebody say you don't put tomatoes in the refrigerator once you start eating them. Why, why is that? Well, tomatoes are uh, they you know they, they don't tomatoes and they. they they don't ripen. When you pick a tomato, it starts to decay. It's on its way out. There's nothing to do right. about that. And, and chilling them down will slow that down somewhat, but they seem to lose a little flavor in the refrigerator. They're oh. just so much more flavorful when they're warm. I got you. Okay. I understand that. Thanks, sir. All right. appreciate it. Yep. Bye. So how about it, Sir Jonas? We got a little bit of time to kill, or you got another phone call? We got about two minutes left. I can do that, but let me throw this out. I did get an email from uh, Kathy Pitts, who's got a lot of problems with pine trees. Her neighbors cut some pines down that had pine beetles, and she knows one of hers has got pine beetles. It's got sawdust coming out uh, around the base. Uh, wants to know what she can do about it, and there's really nothing. Once pine beetles get into a plant, not much you can do about it, but you can keep the other trees healthy, an occasional soaking if we go three months without rain, a little bit of fertilizer, that's an idea. A healthy pine tree will push a pine beetle out with this sap. Looks like a gob of popcorn stuck on the side of the tree. Once you start seeing the sawdust, that tree's already gone. Just sort of kiss goodbye. Luckily, pine trees usually take a long time to fall down, so not in a big hurry to get rid of it. Uh, folks, if you have questions during the week about gardening, I answer my emails, garden at, M- no S, garden at mpbonline.org. 
And I got plenty of time because by the time you wake up in the morning, it's the middle of the afternoon for me. But by the time I get around the next morning answering emails, you get it when you wake up in the morning. So that works out pretty well. Uh, and again, I am over here. I'm visiting some flower shows and gardens. Got some fun things I'm going to share. Check out today's Clarion Ledger, though. I want to start a little series about how to design a garden from scratch. You may already know this stuff. It may just be a review. But I think it'd be good to examine the elements of a good garden, no matter what style you've got, no matter how big, what style. Most good gardens have got certain elements of design that work. We're going to start picking up on those starting next week. It'll be a regular thing here on the Gestalt Garden. And again, if you've got questions during the week, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Do I hear music playing, Jonas? You sure do. <laughs> All righty, folks. Whew. It's been fun today, folks. The Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producer today is Sir Jonas Adams, and uh, Liz Gill was our phone greeter. I'm your host, Belda Rushing, and here's hoping your back garden and your front garden and your side garden and the indoor gardens fares well if you're staying cool and hydrated. Remember to mow your grass high. If you're going anywhere near a garden center or a farmer's market, take a kid or two on a field trip. And if you can find any opportunity without overdoing it, indoors or out, do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.